Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Uh, it is Father's Day this weekend, and I wanted to spend some time talking about fatherhood and that relationship between fathers and their kids, or even more specifically, fathers and their sons. Came across a really interesting piece this week uh, with the headline, The Understated Affection of Fathers, that really, I think, raised some, some interesting points about the nature of the relationship between dads and their sons what it means to be a man, what it means to be a father, and how dads show affection in different ways and why that's okay. Uh, Corey Floyd is a faculty director for special initiatives at the University of Ottawa, professor of communication there as well. He joins us on the line here this afternoon. Dr. Floyd, great to have you with us. Welcome to the program. Happy to be here. Uh, from your perspective then, and, and I mean, you've done a lot of research then into intimacy and relationships, et cetera. So what prompted this piece? You know, I've long been intrigued by the relationship that, that adult men have with each other because I think it's in many ways really bound by their need for closeness and contact on one side and also their need to honor the requirements of masculinity on the other. And that can put men in a, in a real bind. I've found that to be fascinating for some time, trying to understand the ways that men negotiate that bind and it's particularly poignant in the family, uh, relationships between fathers and sons, relationships between brothers often really feel this tension between wanting to be close because they are family members, they are related, uh, and yet needing to be cognizant of what it means to be a man in our culture. Uh, I just think that's a fascinating tension, and it's been interesting to explore how men negotiate that. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, do, do a lot of men view affection as being at odds with masculinity? Well, I think they often do. I'm, I think that uh, to a large extent, our culture has, has feminized affection. And what I mean by that is that we think of behaviors like hugging and kissing and hand-holding to be more feminine, to be more nurturing, to be expected in relationships between women or between women and men, relationships that are more romantic in nature, but they really signal a sense of intimacy and vulnerability that in some ways is quite at odds with our expectations for masculinity. Right. You know, it's interesting. I remember, you know, some years ago, uh, our prime minister at the time, Stephen Harper, uh, was was kind of mocked in the media. There was um, he was dropping his son off at school one day and, and gave him a handshake uh, as opposed to to a hug or something else. And, and a lot of people thought that was odd or made him seem kind of wooden or disconnected. But, uh, you know, at the same time, I think a lot of people had sympathy for him. But that doesn't tell the whole story of their relationship. It's not necessarily a bad thing for a a father to to shake his son's hand. Um, I mean, does that sort of speak to that that dilemma that that a lot of fathers are in or or feel? Well, I think it really does, and and even more so as their sons grow from childhood into adolescence into adulthood. So 
when, when children are young, we don't tend to see a huge difference in the ways that fathers interact with their sons versus their daughters in terms of affection. Mm-hmm. Uh, as their children grow, we see men's behaviors with their daughters and with their sons diverging. So where they may continue to be demonstrative of their affection with their daughters, they'll tend to back off on those kinds of behaviors with their son. Not always, of course, um, but, but often uh, out of a recognition that, um, that that very kind of concern that you're expressing uh, with your prime minister is, uh, is, is important and, and, is, and is probable uh, in research that has looked at how people evaluate behaviors like hugging and an arm around a shoulder, uh, when they observe them in people that they don't know, uh, we routinely find that those kinds of behaviors are evaluated much more negatively when they're observed between men than when they're observed between women or between a man and a woman. Um, and that's without any knowledge or understanding of the relationship that those people have. So I think that to some extent, men at least implicitly recognize that this is a risk, and, and they'll tend to curtail those behaviors as their sons get older. Well, it's interesting. I mean, I have a son and a daughter. Uh, my daughter's 14, my son's 11, uh, so I, I can relate to a lot of this. Obviously, I mean, I love them both equally, but I, I certainly would, I would confess that there's probably different ways in which I, I relate to both of them or show affection to both of them. Well, and that's the excellent point here, that none of this means that fathers and sons aren't affectionate with each other or don't care about each other. Uh, that's sometimes what people hear when I point out these sorts of differences, but the reality is that what fathers and sons and what men in other kinds of relationships between brothers, between friends, end up doing is that they simply develop different ways of sharing affection and, and expressing their feelings for each other. Uh, the feelings are there, and they can be just as potent um, as in other types of relationships, but men will tend to develop what some researchers refer to as covert manners of affection, where men's ways of expressing their feelings for each other will focus more on activities that they share with each other, um, rather than, say, things that they talk about, or rather than more demonstrative behaviors like hugging or kissing. But is that to say that as, as boys grow into men, that they understand that, uh, that, that they sort of have an unspoken understanding with their fathers about their relationship, or is, is there still, can there still be that, that questioning? Well, I think that when, when sons grow into adulthood, and particularly when they become fathers themselves, we often see an acknowledgement, at least, that they may want a a closer and more demonstrative relationship with their dad than they have. Now, on one hand, I think you're absolutely right that they do understand that when my dad spends time with me, when we go out and do an activity together, that's our way of expressing how we feel about each other. That's how I know my dad cares about me because he does those things with me. We understand that we honor that in our relationship. And yet it's still often the case uh, that men will come to a point in their lives, and it often coincides with them becoming fathers themselves, when they realize, yes, that's all fine and good, 
But I actually wish my dad would hug me more. I wish my dad would tell me that he loves me the way that he does with my sister, let's say, or the way that he used to when I was younger. And I often have had men in my research ask me, how can I get my dad to be more demonstrative with me? How can I, how can I sort of circle back to the kind of relationship that we had when I was younger? And that's a tricky thing to do, but I do often hear that longing uh, expressed by men. Right. Well, it's interesting, yeah, because as you point out in your piece, I mean, you've written a, a book about a lot of this, The Loneliness Cure, but you, you talk about in that book and in this piece, you know, the importance of verbal affection as, as part of all kinds of relationships, but certainly this, this in particular. Well, absolutely. You know, I, I, a common theme that I hear in my research when I talk to men is something along the lines of, uh, the last time my dad told me that he loved me was, you know, 15 years ago at my wedding. Or I haven't heard him say that to me since I graduated from high school. Or something like that, where it's not a question that he loves me. I understand that. I accept that. Um, the concern is that he doesn't say it to me. And at a certain point in my life, I, I may start to long for that. Uh, something that I, I felt I used to have before. You know, men in general don't tend to be as verbal about their feelings as women are. Uh, and, and affection is just a, a, a sort of a prime example of that. Right. How much of it, though, is is traceable to societal pressures or expectations of, of fathers and, and masculinity? And how much of it is, is learned, basically, you know, what we learn about parenting from our own parents? Well, I, I think those are really the same, the same question. I mean, we learn our expectations from our societal values. So our, our parents and our media and our peers, those people who socialize us, or those institutions who socialize us as we grow up, socialize us in accordance with whatever it is our culture values. And so here, a very relevant value is what does it mean to be masculine versus what does it mean to be feminine. And so our parents and our media and our teachers and our peers have an understanding of what that means in our culture and in this particular point in our history and they socialize us accordingly. So as boys, for instance, as we grow up, we hear things like, don't do that, that's not what boys do. Um, stop crying, for instance, that's, you're acting like a girl. And so we hear those messages, and we might hear them from parents, we might hear them from peers, from teachers, we see them expressed in movies and television shows, and, and so we really internalize that message as we grow up, that uh, these are the things that are acceptable and expected for me to do, and these are the things that are not. And affection isn't the only example of a difference in the way that we socialize boys and girls, but it's a very potent example. Right. Well, yeah, and, and you know, I think I get the sense that part of the takeaway here is that, that men should understand that showing affection is okay. It doesn't make them less masculine. But I think what you're also saying is that you know, and, and just to, to quote from your piece here, that the unique way men relate to one another deserves to be honored rather than belittled. Well, and, and one of the other things I often hear from men is that my wife, my mother, my sister, whoever it might be, the, the women in my life don't understand that this is what we do and this is what we value. 
in our relationships. So men will often say that their wives, for instance, will kind of nag them about, well, why don't you ever talk to your father or talk to your brother or talk to your friends about your feelings? You know, the way that I do with my girlfriends or with my sisters or with my mother. Um, Because the the assumption there on, on, on the woman's part often is that if you're not doing that, then you don't really have the kind of closeness that I enjoy in my relationships. And that's really a misunderstanding of men's relationships. That's not to say that they always have that level of closeness, but very often they do. Very often, if you just ask men and women, how close do you feel to the other person? There's no gender difference uh, in the actual values and the actual levels of closeness that they feel. The difference is in the way that it gets expressed. And, And so very often women... Um, find that difficult to understand about the men's relationships in their lives. And that's not their fault. You know, they're operating under a different set of assumptions, under a different set of values about relationships. But it's an important acknowledgement that even if your son or husband or brother doesn't interact with the close people in his life the way that you do with yours, that doesn't mean that his relationships are lesser than yours. That's a great point. I'll let people know they can find the piece. The headline is The Understated Affection of Fathers. It's up at theconversation.com. We also mentioned that uh, book uh, from 2015, The Loneliness Cure. Corey, great having you with us. Thanks so much for this. Thanks so much for having me. All right, there you go. That's uh, Corey Floyd at the University of Arizona. Interesting thoughts from him on fatherhood and affection, a father-son relationship. Uh, your thoughts, 403-974-8255 is our number here, 974-TALK. We're back with more right after this. Welcome back. 403-974-TALK is our number, 974-8255. Let's say good afternoon to Owen. Owen, how you doing? Great, Dave. How about you? Pretty good. Pretty so, good. Uh, I disagree and I agree with your last guest. Oh, yeah? I don't know, maybe in my circumstances, and maybe I'm not the general rule, mm-hmm. but I mean, I've been a single dad since, you know, 98 or so, and uh, both my children are grown up now. My oldest son is like 27. My youngest son is 24. Okay. And, uh, you know, and, and the part I agree with is, is, yeah, I did a lot of that suck it up sunshine, you know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and uh, But uh, there's not a single day when I see my kids that I don't get a hug and I'm, uh, I love you, Dad. And I, that's every single day from both of them. And they don't like from, from them to you? Money. Were you talking about yeah, from you yeah. to them or them to you? Them to me. Yeah. And, and they have no problems in doing it even <laughs> in public. Uh, do they have kids of uh, their own yet? No, they don't. Yeah. No, no. But uh, I guess maybe I'm one of the fortunate few. <laughs> yeah. Oh, interesting. Oh, thanks for sharing that. Appreciate the phone call. You know, because that is one thing I think about, right? I mean, what kind of father do I want my son to be? Sometimes, you know, you get caught up in the moment of dealing with whatever crap is going on, and it's, well, yeah, that's the question to ask. How would I want him to react <laughs> right, in a similar situation with his kid? Because they, they do learn. They do learn from you. All right. So interesting thoughts from Owen there. Hey, this is uh, interesting. Well, I'll get more details on what's going on here. But, well, I think we all know who Sapporo Berman is by now, don't we? Uh, if you don't, Sapporo Berman's a fairly well-known uh, environmental activist. You know, pretty hardcore anti-oil sands, anti-pipeline activist. 
So a while ago, as we recall, the premier decided she's going to put together an oil sands advisory group because the NDP came up with the idea that carbon tax is enough. We also need to put an emissions cap on the oil sands. So how do we do that? They put together a panel and they wanted to seem as though they were balanced, like they were reaching out to both sides. So they asked a former president of the Canadian Association of Petroleum Producers to be one co-chair and Sapporo Berman to be the other. It might have seemed like smart politics at the time. The problem was... Uh, every step of the way, Sapporo Berman <laughs> seemed to be undermining the government's position on pipelines and developing the oil sands. And granted, Sapporo Berman wasn't involved in shaping policy in those areas. But by the government putting her on this panel, it elevated her profile. Right? It sent the message that she's somebody that should be listened to. And so if she's running around arguing against pipelines and the oil sands development, uh, then that's undermining the government. So this became a big political headache for the government. Well, it turns out Sapporo Berman is uh, not going to be a part of the oil sands advisory group moving forward. Now, the uh, advisory group came out today with its first set of recommendations, and there's more that they're going to be doing. But as they move forward, Berman's not going to be a part of it. According to Newstalk 770 reporter John Himpey, when asked if the government had anything to do with Berman's forthcoming departure or her endorsement of the B.C. New Democrats in the election there, uh, Environment Minister Shannon Phillips said no. So what happened here? Did Berman walk away from this? Did the government suggest or encourage her to walk away from this? Interesting development. All right, 974-TALK is our number, 974-8255. We're back after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.